0: Join the evolution of the new age with EcoFutures, raising awareness about conservation and ecology, sustainability, land use, climate change and resource use, energy and recycling. Let's contribute to future-proofing planet Earth.
1: Thanks for tuning in to EcoFutures Radio. My name is Jodie Sydney, and in conjunction with the Community Broadcasting Foundation and Byron Bay FM, We've put together an amazing series on Modern Slavery, Food and Fashion Fail. What is the price of the clothes and the food that we eat every day? Do we consider the impact each garment or chocolate bar we consume, where it came from and how did it get to be in the store for such a low price? And what is the cost of this environmentally, socially and who is at the end of this chain? During our documentary series on modern slavery, food and fashion fail, reporters Michelle Michaels, Jody Sidney delve deeper into the costs on people all for the price of a cheap t shirt and a chocolate bar.
0: We consider the introduction of modern slavery laws in Australia in 2019 and if these changes can improve the lives of those ill-affected by workplace exploitation and slavery. In this series we will hear responses from businesses, local and international organizations who are trying to make change for better conditions for those affected and a fairer and more sustainable supply chain.
1: In our cereal packets and the clothes that we hang on our shoulders are the sweat and tears of generations of people who have been enslaved or in indentured labour trade to make food and fashion for all of us. To understand what modern slavery is, one must also understand where it comes from and why it exists. And thank you so much for joining us here on Bay FM on modern slavery. Each week, our team delves deeper into the world of modern slavery, our fashion brands and also where our food comes from. My name is Jodie Sydney, and this week I am highlighting sustainable fashion brands, their opinion and outlook on the modern slavery bill and also talk to those who have been in indentured slave trade and what they have done since being freed. For the 2016 The Future of Fashion Sustainability, the panel highlighted the following statistics. 150 billion is the number of new clothing items produced each year. 2.5 billion pounds of used clothing end up in landfills each year. 2.1 million tonnes of CO2 emissions produced by the apparel and textile industry each year second only to the petroleum industry. 70 million to 100 million is the number of trees cut down each year to make cellulose fabrics, such as rayon and modal. 700 gallons of water it takes to make one t-shirt. And $91.45 is a garment workers monthly wage in Bangladesh. Numbers like these highlight the need and the importance of having a modern slavery act in place. It is a step in the right direction. Slavery develops under conditions of social stratification, society categorization, socioeconomic groups and factors that include wealth, race, education, and social status. They actually thrive under such conditions of class. People of all races have and still are being enslaved to this day, even in Australia, and the fashion that we adorn ourselves or the food we fill our appetites on may well be tainted with the tears of another person like you and me. Fashion industry watchdog app, Good On You, is one such business that targets the, the fashion industry and pulls them up on their conduct on sustainability and modern slavery issues. Gordon Renouf talks about why brands are making better choices.
2: Against certain criteria. Instead, it's saying every brand should be transparent, every brand should be giving specific, concrete, relevant and accurate information about what they're doing to address the issues consumers care about, including modern slavery but also other issues such as environmental and animal issues that consumers care about.
1: Some of those issues that consumers talk about is 10% of the world's carbon footprint comes from the apparel industry. The aviation industry only contributes 2% of the global emissions. 61% of clothing companies don't know where their garments are made. 76% of companies don't know where their fabrics were woven or dyed. And 93% of companies don't know the origins of the raw fibres and where they were made. Is it feasible to think that at some point in the next five to ten years that that you'll definitely see brands change because of applications like the Good On You app?
2: Well, I think there's actually a range of different pressures applying on brands to do better. They include activism from civil society organisations. They include the work of unions. They include the work of rating systems like Good On You. They include consumers making choices based on the information they're getting from brands directly or from sources like Good On You or Fashion Revolution. And we are seeing brands, and they include, of course, legislation like the Modern Slavery Act in Australia and (laughs) the UK and the transparency and supply act in California and so forth. So all these constellations of different factors are pressuring many brands to do better because they know that if they're not doing better, then their customers and or their investors and or their employees will be dissatisfied and go elsewhere.
1: And dissatisfaction is described as lack of satisfaction. In the dictionary... It says, widespread public dissatisfaction with incumbent politicians. I take that as dissatisfaction for my clothing being produced by people who are not being paid a living wage.
2: There are, there are a couple of living wage methodologies that have been widely endorsed Called the Asia Floor Wage Alliance has proposed a definition and there's another definition called ANCA and people like Oxfam and the Act on Living Wages Coalition, which is a global coalition of brands and unions, have adopted those definitions. They're, they've been done for some countries, not others. But essentially the basic approach is to say how much does it, does it cost people in that country to meet the needs of a four-person family, two adults and two children, with all the basics and 10% of their income available for discretionary expenses. So it's not by any means a comfortable existence, but it's one that, they can, that people can get by on. As, 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 and the proposal, obviously, is so that that's a bit standard. The unfortunate thing is that in important supply countries like Bangladesh and Cambodia, they have many, many, many factories where the basic wage is the minimum wage of the country, and that's well below a living wage.
1: The national minimum wage in Australia is $19.49. In contrast to this, in Cambodia, they get paid anywhere between $60 to $182 per month. Depends on where you look for the information. However, it's not about just highlighting the differences of what one person gets paid in Australia to what one person gets paid in Cambodia. It's a full and measured layered approach to manufacturing to sustainable manufacturing businesses and having transparency showing the supply chains are in check healthy James Bartlett from Outland Denim a sustainable fashion brand and retailer has taken this approach an initiative to create a fashion label that directly competes with other brands that may not necessarily investigate or assess the health of their supply chains
0: To focus on what it is that we're here to do. And what we're here to do is change an industry. What what greater opportunity could we have right now to have already established a a method of business that has um, such a powerful impact on the people and the planet?
1: Outland Denim's approach is denim to end poverty. Outland Denim crafts premium jeans designed to bring the worlds of our seamstresses and our customers closer together. They source the finest raw materials from around the world whilst offering sustainable employment and training opportunities to women who have experienced exploitation.
0: I saw a little girl in Thailand for sale, a young teenage girl, and I was being shown around by a rescue agency what the reality of the issue was. You know, I, I still picture her and I still feel emotion. I say this every time I say it, I've, I've told this literally thousands of times, this story, and I can't tell it without feeling the emotion of seeing that little girl's face. Um, it was like a life-changing moment when you see something like that, just go, shit, like, man, we, we can't let this happen. You know, and research is very clear that it's, it's an economic problem. And so we can't just solve it by rescuing one girl at a time. Like, we've got to solve this by thinking bigger and, you know, generating um, exposure to the issue. But, but generating real solutions, you know, the problem is it's not easy for anyone to be a part of the solution. And so I guess our goal would be how do we create an easy way for you and I to be part of the solution.
1: And to be a part of the solution is part of a social awakening. By understanding mass consumption and the options we have today being global citizens and we have a responsibility when we consume popular items, cheaper versions of what they were 20 years ago, we are contributing to the destruction of people and the planet. The implementation of the Modern Slavery Bill and Act in Australia is super important in today's capitalist consumer societies. It is about large companies or organisations to self-regulate, to monitor and audit their businesses, and to self-report. In Australia, you have to self-report on your modern slavery if your turnover is more than $100 million or more. And in New South Wales, the legislation is set to $50 million or more. Potential issues are there for consumers with brands uh, if they're not turning over $100 million per year, then they are not uh, comp- they don't actually have to report on that. Is there issues yeah. there that you can see for the consumer?
2: Two, two of the most important issues. Well, the first thing to say, of course, it's, it's a fantastic step forward that a Modern Slavery Act has been implemented in uh, the UK, Australia, California and so on, and putting that on the agenda of major companies, companies that have a turnover over over $100 million to Require them to report on what they are doing to address modern slavery is a great step forward. There are a couple of limitations. One, obviously, is it doesn't apply to smaller companies, and which is why the New South Wales Act, which does apply to companies with turnover over 50 million, which should be a, something that should be supported. I think it's the thing is, the level of detail of the quality of modern slavery act reports. We've seen that, I think we have seen that when it first came in in the UK, that some brands would give reports i.e. they you know, comply with the law which requires you to report, but they would, the reports wouldn't say very much. Uh, that would be full of platitudes like, you know, we condemn modern slavery and we're doing everything we can to, to, to eliminate it from our supply chains, but not really saying what they're doing. I mean, uh, we would like to see, and certainly those sorts of reports don't give you any credit in the Good of new rankings, reports would say much more specifically what they are doing, time-bound commitments, factual statements about what has been achieved, other sorts of reports that consumers need, and that's the obviously the intent of the legislation is to, to provide that kind of information to consumers and to people like Good On You who can translate that information into easy-to-use information for consumers.
1: The Act does leave it open slightly, especially when it comes to the production that falls under these thresholds. However, having an app like the Good On You app takes the guesswork out of it for the consumer. It simplifies accessing the information.
2: But look, if you see stuff that is too cheap, then that is a, a warning sign that the environment and or people have paid the price that you're not paying. One thing to bear in mind, people say, oh, but I have to buy cheap clothes. Clothes are four times as cheap as they were 20, 25 years ago. Um, we spend much, much less of our weekly average income on clothing than we did 50 years ago. I think it's gone down from something like 50% to 20% of a household's income on clothes and food. Um, and as I said, um, the price of clothes has stayed the same whilst our um, wages and incomes have increased um, Three or four-fold over twenty, twenty-five years. But look, if you see stuff that is too cheap, then that is a, a warning sign that the environment and/or people have paid the price that you are not paying. But one thing to bear um, in mind: if you see stuff, say, oh, but that I is have to buy cheap close, too cheap, close then that is a warning sign that the 20, environment and/or
1: According to Statista. It has ranked the top spending countries per capita. And guess what? Australia is number one. Australians fork out a whopping $1,430 per person per year on apparel. Australia is still one of the largest markets for foreign bricks and mortar stores like Topshop, Zara and H&M. But there are different competitors on the market which are shaking things up. And just like the Outland Denim story, there's a more grassroots competitor in the Australian fashion industry, social outfit. CEO Camilla Shipper speaks of the importance of the changes necessary to eliminate modern slavery. Why the social outfit? Why is it important for a brand like Social Outfit to exist in today's fashion industry? Well, the fashion industry
3: isn't exactly known for how good it it is to its workers and, and to the environment. Actually, it's probably one of the most exploitative industries out there. Interestingly, the social outfit didn't start because we wanted to do fashion. The social outfit started because we wanted to help solve a problem. And the problem was this, refugee and in particular refugee women in Australia face the highest barriers to employment. We have only about 20% of female humanitarian migrants in Australia engaged in the workforce and we wanted to do something about it. So you have this group of people who have gone through All kinds of challenges, a very few lucky ones arrive to Australia and their ability to integrate and settle and and really thrive in the country is limited by the fact that they can't get a job. But we saw that a lot of these women um, come with great sewing skills because they come from countries where they do sew. So we thought, why don't we give them employment in an area where we can build on their existing skills while we teach them new ones? We can teach them English. We can teach them about uh, the workers' right and how you work and how machines work and what are the quality standards required in Australia so they can then transition to more employment. And that's why the social outfit was created.
1: Fashion brands such as The Social Outfit and Outland Denim are breaking the cycle of social stratification and educating consumers at the same time. But what are the key elements of breaking the cycle?
0: Um, but we know for a social impact, it, there's four um, key elements that need to be there. And the first is opportunity that people may not, get, uh, may not get the opportunity otherwise. So the vulnerable, how do you give them that opportunity? Because they can't make you any money. They, they just can't to begin with. They're going to be um, a dead loss to start. Um, but then how do we train them into every aspect of the gene um, so that they're not um, dependent on us? They can become independent, high, highly skilled seamstresses um, that don't need us anymore. And um, and then the educational gaps that they would have. I mean, some of them never been to school. Some of them do have some sort of formal education, Um but it's really around, you know, the practical things like finance or, um, you know, healthcare, breastfeeding, those kinds of things that are so important um, that we probably take for granted in the West that we've been able to be exposed to these kinds of learnings. So um, including those into our into our model, but then the whole time, the moment they start with us, they need to be paid a living wage as the base. And so having, having that base there for them means that they can then progress in their career as well. They, they go up, their income goes up. They become successful, and then there's a lot of byproducts and things that just happen, not as a result of us planning it. It just happens like you know, we've had reports of you know women who feel like they've lost their dignity based on the industry that they've had to come from that they were forced into because of vulnerability. But now they're earning more money than their peers. They're the ones that are building a home for their family, giving security to family, sending their kids to school. And this dignity is restored. And it's certainly not ever was something that we planned on. Well, if we do A, B, C, D, and E these things will be the outcome, it's just happened. And it's because we just remain committed to trying to evolve and never think that we've made it.
3: At the moment, it's a small enterprise. It started with one SOA. We have now been able to employ 29 uh, refugees and new migrants over the past five years. That means that they have been employed for a minimum of two years on award wages. So they get holidays, they get sick leave and everything else. And we then transition them after two years to other employment. So we have been able to transition about 22, 23 of them to other employment. The others are still working with us. So it's a model that really, really works. And it works because we don't keep them for a month or two. We give them a full two year paid work experience so we give them enough skills and confidence to go on and successfully take on um further
1: employment that's wonderful it really is wonderful and when you when you say oh 29 it's not very many i was sitting there thinking to myself well if some of those people that have come through working for the social outfit they would have families maybe um, so 29 is not necessarily just them. They'd be supporting their family or their partner or, you know, Absolutely. that's um, right. So it's not just 29 people. It's probably, you know, more like 70 people that would be. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah. And look, um, our, our senior sewing technician, she's graduated to being our senior sewing technician. She looks after the others. She's got seven children. Um, and you know we focus on giving them the first job in australia so for this particular sewer she um this was her first job she had already been in australia for about 15 years but had not managed to get um employment
1: brands like these approach business and fashion with a different mindset it comes with the layered and educational elements not only for the workers but also for the consumers so it comes back to corporate responsibility Having strict charters within a business that tackles the hard to believe facts that modern slavery still does exist.
3: Consumers in Australia, or what is the real cost to making those clothes? Because when you buy really cheap, someone is still paying that price. And if you want to wear clothes that you can be proud to wear, if you want to wear clothes that are supporting, and empowering women rather than exploiting them, then you need to pay a little bit of a higher price. We cannot produce uh, a garment for $20 because we pay our workers more than $20 an hour.
1: And if you were unsure, the average wage for a seamstress in Australia is $25.12 per hour. A very experienced sewer could make a dress in as little as an hour, But when you also consider cutting, laying the pattern and sewing, this could take anywhere from two to five hours.
3: I am approached often to manufacture for other brands. And when they tell me what they are willing to pay, which is what they can pay for others to manufacture, I almost fall off the chair. And that means that still, even in Australia, even those brands that said you should buy from us because we only manufacture in Australia, that still doesn't give you the confidence that whoever has worked and produced that garment has actually been paid more than $6 an hour. However, you know, we need to have those conversations and that's what the Slavery Act really helps. It's still better than not. There isn't going to be an ability and a a capacity to absorb the cost to do it in a different way. The key thing here is that we are starting and we are building on a conversation, a conversation that with time will make consumers more aware. Um, The tricky thing here is still that those very large companies that are asked to comply are the same companies that have enormous amount of budgets to put into their marketing and their PR, uh, which is something that a company like ours, um, you know, cannot cannot do and so there is still this difficulty from the the consumers side to actually understand and be able to navigate who is doing the right things who's really uh, walking the talk who is on the other hand, just simply producing very, very good marketing and, and, and PR, right? Um, and that's where it comes back to what I think, for example, is so important for the social outfit to have a little store. Because when customers come in, I explain to them what having, say, for example, Ethical Clothing Australia accreditation means. And how hard it is, even for a social enterprise like ours, to actually get that accreditation. And the fact that we have it should give them the confidence. Now, most customers don't even know about what ethical clothing Australia, you know, they just see, oh, but the label says that this is really made for good. Well, like, how do you know that? And how do we expect you know, um, consumers to be able to navigate through that? Any new regulation and legislation helps move towards the the right direction because there will be more conversation and more awareness. Most customers that I talk to get shocked when I say that we still have slavery in Australia.
1: Ethical Clothing Australia is a self-assessing, voluntary programme set up for brands and manufacturers to abide by some strict criteria to ensure that consumers are well informed about their purchasing at the register. It is specifically focused on Australian production of textiles, footwear and manufacturing of clothing. B Corp is another organisation that is also creating self-assessment tools and criteria for businesses and organisations to assess their supply chains and clean up their production lines, adding to their value chain and changing the education of consumers at the same time. Both of these accreditations give the consumers a sense of transparency and guilt-free purchasing. I mean, you've been doing this for 10 years, working in this space. We all know that the industry has been fraught with lots of, you know, mistreatment of workers internationally. Was that the predominant intention for you when you set up Outland Denim was you know to sort of bridge that gap and bring that more social awareness to clothing?
0: It wasn't necessarily to clothing no it was it was um, but 100% motivated by the exploitation of young women um, around the world but Cambodia is where we chose to set up based on the need at the time of what we saw it became pretty clear pretty quickly that using fashion to do that was a really good vehicle. Um, And so that's why we chose fashion. I mean, we could easily have gone into food
2: or something else as well.